welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com, and today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Hi there, Miss Kim. How are you? Hi, Larissa. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Well, we're going to welcome Kim Sutherland to the table today. She's an amazing chef. She's yoga instructor, mom of three, and the baker of all things good that I should not eat, but I do. (laughs) I'm really thankful, Kim, that you're fitting me in today, and I'm honored that you are chatting with me. And we had a discussion about two weeks ago, I think, where we were deciding on moving forward and Mm -hmm. how we wanted to talk about all these interesting topics that we're seeing with teenagers. We sort of decided on three or four of these, which I hope we can all do. And one of them was to discuss how teens need outlets to talk Mm -hmm. and to give them the consistent space in order to do that. And you're in a very unique situation because you're part of the STA program where you're teaching yoga and you're with teens. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I taught for years. I love being with teenagers. I far prefer teaching high school than the little guys. <laughs> if I have to, I will, but yeah. I prefer their sass. Um, what made you want to do this? What made you want to teach that, that specific, it's a very young age. So um, in one of my previous roles, I actually employed almost 60, between 60 and 70 teenagers And I really fell in love for that age group. I say they're probably one of my favorite age groups because uh, they don't seem to have a problem taking ownership over their lives in so many ways. Uh, And they're also empowered with all of the knowledge. They have every question possible at their fingertips. But that being said, they also have all of the knowledge. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, so I found that, uh, that I had an opportunity to share these things with, uh, or share information with these kids. And I found them to just be sponges when they were working with me. So when the opportunity to, uh, teach high school kids arose, I, uh, I jumped on it because to me, that dynamic of kids are, uh, they don't have an outlet of people to talk to. We as parents, and I'll put myself in the same category, um, have very high expectations of our kids these days. We're we're kind of so protective of them because we know the information's out there, but then we expect more of them. Right. But we're doing less to help them get there. We're absolutely doing less to help them. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that, um, and what, what we did with my class this week actually is a perfect example, is we just, we sat down and had a conversation basically about the people you're in your class with. And I find they don't communicate 
to each other face to face. One of the days I wasn't really feeling like teaching. So I just asked them yes and no questions and discovered that none of them knew that the kid beside them ordered owned five chickens that he fed every morning and lived on a hobby farm. Yet their cool. best friend, super cool, yet their best friend or what they called this person um, was like four provinces over that they played video games with every single night online. And I said, I see it with my two teenage boys and my daughter, who's like always on her iPad playing games. Um, and that was kind of what drove me or was my, uh, the passion behind teaching this age group because how their perception a best friend is someone who has to prove themselves, has to be loyal, has to be there. You got to get in trouble with this person. I mean, you've got to go to parties with this person and they're not yeah. going through things. And this is pre-COVID. I'm not even going to include COVID in this conversation. Yeah. This is before, um, even before, pre yeah. COVID. Um, yeah. And I found that kids today are really not experiencing the things. Now, part of that is our fault because the boards, the ministry have taken away school dances. Yes, yes. That is a huge part of growing up. That yeah, is a huge absolutely. part of their socialization. And I remember dancing at all those parties, having a yeah. great time, you know, and the yeah. teachers were there and they would kind of dance with you and you'd laugh yeah. at that. But is this why you got into it? Because you were sad because you were watching this boy say, this is my best friend, but he's four provinces away. That breaks my heart. Yes. Yeah. You know what? And just watching how, um, how they interacted with me yeah. in, in very open candor and things like that. And then not having the same conversations at home with their parents. No. And, but you're safe. You're not yeah. critical. You're not harping on them. No, you're not. I mean, we've talked about it in sports, how, yeah, I'm, I'm developing a video series called The Car Ride Home and how parents should be talking to their kids on the car ride home. Because yes. many kids are getting into the car with their parents and they're anxious because they're afraid mom and dad are going to start criticizing them. And, and then you don't want to do that sport anymore because mom and dad are forcing you to do it. And we had this, um, my class and I had this great conversation this week of something I was taught on the weekend about... Um, like acknowledging your fails. So our, my class yesterday, I said to them, what was the last thing you guys failed at? Of course, I asked my own kids first. We yeah. talked about it at dinner the other day. Yeah. And we talked about once we got talking about what you had failed at. And I said, and like, was that major? Was it big? Like, how, yeah. how did you make it feel? And that, and once we kind of broke it down a little bit and realized that, um, and even as parents, we want to encourage our kids to be successful, but in encouraging them to be successful, the flip side of that coin is we're not giving them the support that they need to fail. And also, there's nothing wrong with, with failing. Yeah, right. With that though, um, we also are forcing them to do things they don't want to do and take courses they don't want to take. And I know yeah. that sometimes parents have to say, okay, well, if you really ever want to have science as a backup, then you should probably take this course. Now, yeah. we always have to talk to kids and give them feedback. 
but I think I'm what I'm hearing from professionals, physicians, psychiatrists, and psychologists is that parents need to give their kids more autonomy at younger ages and more mm -hmm. freedom and power to choose to fail mm -hmm. on their own and don't say a word about it because their failure is enough weight on their bodies and their minds as it is. And it's amazing that I think, I mean, uh, the, one of the best examples is uh, one of my kids, I love it. Oh, ma, I got 90 on that test. And then yeah. you go and you talk to the teacher. They also got like zero on a quiz. <laughs> yes. So children only want to feed you the yes. good, which is natural. But yeah. when I said, so, so what? You got a zero. So I failed tests. So what? What's, yeah. It's not going to change your whole outlook on life forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Right. And not that's even, where parents aren't coming in and, and talking about that. No. And I'm even referring to like failing at things you try. Like the one girl didn't make oh. the badminton team. No, like I didn't make the badminton team and I didn't want to go home and tell my parents I didn't make it because they say, well, you're so athletic. Like you should have made it and blah, blah, blah. And that, that made me feel like I didn't do something. Oh, good. I was like, totally. So if we, um, I know there was the creator of Spanx. Her father asked her every single day, what did you fail at today? And made it okay for her to fail at things as long as she learned a lesson, because that way she would know what she was successful at. Right. So instead of us always encouraging our kids to be successful and them feeling failures. Yes, yes, to accept their failures as well. Because yeah, Lord knows academic failures. Yes. No, mom, I really didn't stand up for this kid today. I really yeah. should have stood up to this kid, and that was my fault. And I should have done that. And I'm like, well, then how could you fix it right now? How yeah. Can you do something to fix that problem you are feeling guilty about? I have a solution. Do you have a solution? And then they think like, well, I could call him. I could go to his yeah. house. Yeah. Sure. Sure. This is pre COVID. I'm like, fire it over, go over to his house, get on your bike, go. Right. And it's, it's just about being attuned and being watchful of your children and talking to them because if we're in our phones, they're not going to yes. talk to us. We're closed. No. If they're in their phones, we almost were just like, now it's heaven because parents are like, oh, I don't have to parent. But really, the, the results of not parenting are showing up. The results totally of technology are showing up in our schools and suspensions, violence, combative behavior. Uh, teachers are leaving because the behavior is getting worse. Yet teachers, 96% of them want phones gone. Yes. That's and that makes total sense. Because the flip side of that is... At the end of the day. There and kids are, they have a seven second attention span. So my biggest challenge in class is it's not to get them to learn how to do yoga poses. It's not to get them to focus that much on what I'm saying. It's to get them to stand still, yeah. keep their hands out of their pockets, stop crossing their arms, stop twitching, stop looking at this guy, stop looking at that guy. And just like, I'm the challenge is to get them to just stand. Actually, you, you, sound, you sound like you're describing what Dr. Collier and I, we had a, a podcast about this exact thing you're saying. It's called awareness. Yeah, and yes. We are not aware of our own bodies anymore. And I just got off a podcast with 
um, the head of Swim Canada, which I don't even know how I managed to, to get this person to talk, but they can't believe that even at this, this level, not even housely, competitive, provincial, this is Olympic, that yeah. they are not aware of their bodies anymore. And now they almost have to give them specific instructions after a practice. Okay, long distance practice. What do you need to do? Here's three things before you go on your phones. Here, listen, yeah. stretch, water, fuel, and the mental, which, uh, yeah. Uh, one of our, our rowers at Quebec Weston, Olympian and physio, um, she said, they're not talking about what they did well, what my coach says I need to improve on, and what's something I did well today that I didn't do well yesterday. They're mm -hmm. not doing the mental work to get to that five seconds between a podium and, you know, finishing. And yep. they're not capable of this right now. It's you know what? And it's funny because uh, with these kids, I've asked a lot of them and they're, so they're the kids that I teach in the, uh, in the high school program are yeah. part of a hockey program. Okay. And they're there specifically um, to further and better their hockey careers. And which is exciting because allowing them to see the, um, the collaboration between yoga and hockey is it to me is very exciting because it kind of makes it a little more mainstream for them right. and they love it like the, their the hamstrings because <laughs> they have horrible oh, yeah. players have it's horrible that, backs and hamstrings right and these kids don't know where their hamstrings are and also <laughs> proprioception even yeah. kids as young as four and six are coming to jksk and physios that I've interviewed in two podcasts were saying that they don't know where their arms are in space or their coordination is lacking. And when I coach them in grade eight, even the last couple of years, I'm like, what is going on with our quality of athleticism? Yeah. It's oh yeah. You should try and get one of them to um, have a flat back. Just getting them to try and, like drop their shoulders down and sit, stand, like sit bend open. forward with a flat back no curve yeah it is it is like japanese to try and describe totally. what their body looks like at that for them but on the on the Can flip side of it they, also, they do yeah we'll spend half a class just working on that and these kids they're they get so excited yeah. to learn about it and I think it's because and when I talk to them about it I'm like is no one having these conversations it's like okay let's go through and the one guy um the one time so when in the end when you we do our final shavasana which they call nap time <laughs> yeah Kim, how many poses on nap time? With the, how many of them like, put their hoodies on Kim how many of them put their hoodies on uh, you know shavasana they don't, they're not allowed to. Um, and we've worked through that. So they have to stay and, and we do, I take them through like a guided meditation Good. where they like start at their feet and slowly work their way up. And I had said to the, um, I always tell them to take their tongue away from the roof of their mouth and yeah. unclench their jaw. <laughs> I mean, like, do I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'll come up afterwards and they're like, how did you know I was clenching my jaw? And I'm like, because we all do it. Because and they're a hundred thousand hours of yoga experience. That's why. Yes. 
they're oblivious to all of these things said it usually takes like the first week they're usually kind of awkward yeah um, yeah. in their <laughs> and 15 year old boys and a couple girls uh, by third the third week they go within about 15 seconds they are hard and out like and they don't twitch they don't wiggle and it is Amazing. so exciting it absolutely it's so exciting to see them when they come out of it and i'll always have a timer and i'm like how long do you think you guys were there and they're like oh like 25 minutes like 30 minutes like like, forever for them yes i said you were there for four like four <laughs> minutes you were lying there or two minutes you were lying there yeah. and they're like wow like i feel so rested and i feel so energized they don't give themselves an opportunity to stop or to think yes and right? that yeah so my one of my questions here so how do you think we were talking about parents here and the relationship how should parents talk to their children to maintain a relationship with them? You're hearing and I'm hearing things about the way kids come up to us and, and but we're, we're, we're sort of their safety nets. I call it landing mats. But yeah. how do you think parents should be talking to their kids today? I think they should, or we should um, really be aware of A, where we were when we were their age. Mm -hmm. because the realization is we all made those mistakes when we were their age. The difference is, is that we didn't have the internet back then. There was no you way know, of it going. That they know. Now they know everything. Yes. But we still, um, I think for some reason we put so much judgment and pressure on yeah. these kids and how we believe they're supposed to behave but we're not giving them the tools Who in how to yeah. behave yeah. and how to hold those conversations. Like even with regards to when I would interview kids, yeah. um, like kids, like if your kid's going to an interview, have them prepare for the interview. Be on Run time. <laughs> be on time, be dressed accordingly. Like there's millions of kids out there vying for your job, that same job right now. You have to do something that's going to make you stand yeah. out. And I think one of the biggest things is, um, as parents, we need to take away some of the expectations we have on our kids to be- Take away our expectations or expectations you have for your child. There's that's right? That's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Take away our expectations we have for our children yeah. to be a certain way. Like there's a, a small portion of uh, kids that are going to be professional hockey players. Very small. And to be completely Very honest, small. parents, I've sp spent Sweet. 10 years at Budweiser Gardens Sweet. and I watching those kids and spending time with those kids that I don't necessarily know if you want that for your kid. I don't know if you want to have your child in that situation. It's great that they'll be this fantastic hockey player and all of this, but the things that come with leaving, oh. potentially leaving their household at 15 years and old. And the mental health and being on the road. And the stress with coaches not, not are abusive. It's crazy. 
and being put on a pedestal like they get put on, especially in like here and the OHL is bad for it. And the CHL in general, like the pedestal we put these 15 and 16 year old kids on and the pressure that gets put on them really sometimes takes a lot of the joy out of of parenting. I think it takes the joy out of youth. It takes the joy out of development and it hurts the child in the long run. Yes, I totally agree. So for instance, our kids, they've always had choices Yeah, with some guidance. And like, for instance, well, this club has less injuries. Let's go with this club. Yeah. Or this club has fantastic coaching that focuses on, cause I do sports consulting. So yeah. we're going to find a, um, an association that works with you and values you and not just your skills. Yes. So they're going to work with the whole child, the whole athlete and teach them coping mechanisms and have interpersonal skills. And Dr. Cassidy Preston is doing a fantastic job. He's a pro hockey player who got injured Mm. out of it very, he got himself a PhD and is now trying to navigate and help athletes and parents to have a better atmosphere for the children in this predicament like triple a from age 10 all the way up he says it's toxic i don't know if i want my kids in that no i have friends who coach and they have um parents who offer to get them deals on vehicles if they put their kid on it's like that that to me is is beyond um acceptable parenting it's just beyond your moral ethics i'm like you're done like and I wouldn't then, even want that kid on my team. Yeah. And then you wonder why your kid's having such a hard time because they expect everything to be handed to them at their fingertips. And part yeah. of our, our conversation yesterday was about, um, I was asking the kids how many of them walk to school and how many of them live within walking distance. My entire class <laughs> between, uh, there was two of them that didn't live within walking distance, yet they all got their parents to drive them. And I said, but why like why and the one kid's like because my mom will and i was like okay and one of the girls in the back said it is really just because i'm lazy and my mom doesn't say no or my dad doesn't say no so then i just take the ride and i'm thinking to myself so not only by parents doing that we're taking away their opportunity yes totally why are we taking it away i'm like for me i got one at uh one school one at another school now that's a lot much longer walk there's no way and she gets up at four or five for swimming and this year she's taking that year off so she's sleeping better and we didn't know what was going to be in it for racing and and so she it would be a 45 50 minute maybe an hour walk but the one he can walk to school and he can walk home from school and you know what because of the pandemic he is happier and he's an outdoorsman anyway. He's going to go fishing in a minute. He's already home. He biked. I think they get independence from us, independence yeah. and responsibility to take care of themselves. Yeah. Because then I interview parents who have their kids in university who can't boil an egg. Yeah, which is huge. Or do laundry or navigate a bus system. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's what they, our yeah. jobs is to send them out into the world with skills and if you keep yes. taking away all these opportunities from them they're never yeah. going to do well like we have a um a city bus stop right outside our house and my oldest when he grade nine last year it was probably 
the second week in September. And he was like, mom, I'm going to take the city, the bus. And I was like, uh, you like the girl. Oh, you like okay. the girl on the bus. <laughs> Let's figure this out. And sure enough, he got up every morning and he loved the independence of it. He loved right. feeling responsible, how responsible for it. And I always said that when I interview kids for my previous job, I always ask them, every single one, um, what are your favorite things about high school? What is your, hands down favorite thing? That's a loaded question. Well, I would say with the exception of maybe one or two, and we're talking hundreds of kids. Okay. Every girl said she loved the social aspect and every boy, and I mean every boy said they loved the um, freedom to be responsible for themselves. They loved, yes, they loved to be able to um, kind of take ownership over what they were doing and have their timeline. And, and it made them feel more mature and yeah, more, older and, and yes. more confident and independent. And, and guess what happens mentally? Self-talk, yep. that little voice we have inside our heads get stronger and bigger and we can manage a lot more outside of the house and we can yeah. go out and be independent. Whereas that leads me to my next question is what are you seeing in terms of the phones and this new technology and screen time? How do you see it affecting families mental health now? Each person has had something very different but valuable to this. So I'm waiting with baby breath. <laughs> <laughs> I find it, um, even though we put boundaries or try and put boundaries on them, yeah. uh, there still seems to be so many opportunities for kids to dive into them. Yep. And then it becomes, I find it very easy for it to go from zero to addiction yes. very quickly. Yes. Uh, and I find that very challenging with, um, especially my daughter who's 11. Uh, there was one day I said to her, I was like, I didn't even realize you were in the house the entire day because you have been up there and I had to come looking for you because you can't actually pull yourself away from no, it. You don't have- The lobes aren't developed. They can't do it. Yeah. They have no skills to be able to do that. No, um, I find it very dangerous for a lot of, if, if we go the way the, that we're going with the lack of um, self-worth and independence and the lack of value that uh, kids find in themselves, I find so the phones to be very toxic in a way that um, they're drawing the the less um the kid who's kind of a little more introverted and doesn't really would consider himself a little bit of an outsider yeah they're getting drawn into situations that can cause a lot of damage okay for their social aspects okay. um i find it disastrous and again, I'm saying because I had spent a lot of time working with them mm -hmm. and have teens my own age, the, right. the photo I've seen of um, kids drinking at parties. Oh, don't even tell me about photos. I've seen enough nude photos that parents have to ask me, what do I do with this? 
Yes. She's like, should they're like, you told me to check their phone. I said, yes, you've got to check their phone. Kids as young as nine are sending nude photos to people who they don't know are online. Only, um, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're, but you're basically saying that if we start valuing this as the new way of life, we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is extremely toxic, extremely yeah. addictive. It's more addictive than cocaine and we're handing it to them. I really feel that if I'm a teacher and I work for a board or I work for a ministry, England should ban them from schools because if we know that they're wrong for the children because they, their heart rates skyrocket all day like this, up and down, up and down, and at the end of the day they come home, they crash, and then they want sugar or caffeine, and then they're up on their Snapchat or whatever it is. Unfortunately, a lot of these professionals are saying that it's about prevention. It is so hard once they're past their own rabbit holes and they're down them. And that yeah. breaks my heart. But yeah. really the one, um, one or two people that I've spoken to say that it's about installing control apps and we got to yeah. control it till they're 18. Yeah. Yeah. It's but on the flip side, so uh, it needs to be across the board that we're all doing the same thing because right now one of my kids in his classroom when the teacher doesn't have enough to fill oh, the entire class, don't, it's a don't problem. tell me I don't want to hear that. I'm like, get some magazines in the room, get some yes. books. Told get to go on the phones. No, I actually typed no. out a list of questions to start. I'm 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 at heart a teacher, but I will mm -hmm. never say go on your phones. I yeah. I always take them away. They can talk, um, write, color. I even ask the kids to bring like a doodle pad. Because yeah. when you're done your work, you're not going on your phones. You're going to write, you're going to do something or go grab the yeah. National Geographics. Go grab, yeah. go grab the Hello Magazine, whatever magazines, but you're going to read. Yeah. So we've just essentially replaced the fidget spinners that nobody wanted to the phone. That's exactly what I use as my example. You got rid of the things that cause distraction, but this is yeah. the worst thing and you're allowing them to have it. More distraction. Yeah. Oh, they're doing... Two of the kids that I had, the parents were texting me in the class and, or their kids in the class and said, do you want steak or eggs for dinner? I had parents that used to text their kids. Oh. Parents would text and if they're, the kids weren't allowed to have their phone. So if the kids were hiding and then the, at one point, the one mom called the building and said, I've been texting with my daughter all morning and now I, all of a sudden she's I know. I said, because she's working. She's focused. Stop distracting our children is yes. what I want to shout out to parents. And we're just, we are so bad with that. Like and that's a good point, Kim. Also, uh, one of the psychotherapists I spoke to was saying that it's important to teach your kids how to be happy without a phone. How to be at peace with our emotions there are kids that are starting sports now, and this will shock you, maybe, I don't know. You've, you've seen yeah. probably as much as I have, I think. Yeah. But kids who are getting like butterflies before a race don't know what they are. They've yeah. never been taught that they're actually a good, healthy emotion and that they're yeah. okay and that we must accept them and that they mean we've trained. It means we know what we've got to do and you're gonna succeed. And they've never yeah. been coached to talk about butterflies yeah. and kids are vomiting before races yeah. because they sort of can't control their anxiety and can't yeah. control their breathing and don't know what they are because kids 
just to do the phone all the time and don't know how to deal with anger, stress, emotion. And it comes out as rude irritability to us, right? Yeah. Yeah, now totally. it's crazy just having awareness she said and time without the phone as parents to make sure they get that time yeah it's our jobs and parents are skirting the issue now that and there needs to be um a level of privacy about things that happen in your house to stay in your house you don't need to post them you don't need I to don't post half of what happens in my house, right? Like I don't I know, so many people do. And so many people reach out and, and are looking for validation from other people on their parenting and, and yeah. that, that they're making it public issues. And then we wonder why our kids are making their issues. Critical issues, issues right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I have another question. Um, we are seeing more injuries in teens that, the physios that I've spoken to with 20 years plus experience are saying that these are injuries that they don't see at all until they're older people, 70 or 80, because their muscular development and their joints are not working and they're not working outside or playing outside for four or six hours a day. Now they're inside four yeah. to six hours a day, 80 hours a month, 960 hours a year, not moving. Unbelievable. We had this conversation. What do you recommend to try and get kids injury-free and moving? I think one of the biggest things is, is teaching them like awareness of their bodies, okay. but also uh, to give them the tools on how to stretch, take them, enroll them in a yoga class. Like these kids in my class this week and god i love them so much they had me in stitches while we were doing it of it's course. hard to teach kids is i laugh at them i do laugh oh i, I taught them flies in high school it was fun. yeah <laughs> Just and i have to yeah i have to catch myself sometimes because i'm like i should not be laughing out loud at you right now but yeah. uh you're funny i wanted them to touch their shins have a flat back touch your shins with your hands yeah the ones that uh ones that couldn't do it were like this oh 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 and i said to him i'm like what are you guys groaning about you are 14 and 15 year old kids and you sound like a bunch of decrepit old people that's why you should be grunting and groaning they're like oh it hurts my back it hurts my my hamstrings and i said you know why it hurts because you're using them, <laughs> you're using them, you're stretching them. It doesn't actually hurt your, those muscles. Need to move. All of a sudden, yes, they're not used to being used because you sit at home and play video games. You sit in the classroom, you get up, all of a sudden you strap on your skates, you shut your brain off, right. you put your body into motion and you go because Even your muscle strings are shortened. Yes, and your, and, your, and your muscle memory has that. So it knows what to do when your skates go on. It knows what to do when you're going to dive in the pool. It knows what to do when you're on the volleyball yeah. court. You're, you're able to like shut off. A perfect example, I used to, on a crazy busy day, I could go so out of my own body yeah. that yeah. My, I would just make it move. And 15 hours later, I was still making it move. And I didn't feel it till the day after that or the day after that. 
And that's what we're training these kids to do. It's helping them to have a mindset, right? Yeah. Need them to get into a healthier mindset. But that also comes from shutting off the Wi-Fi at home and saying, get outside and go play. And the pandemic has been good for that. Yes. Get them outside to play. Go to play baseball. Go play basketball. Yeah. Go in your little bubbles. Now things are tidying up, but go fishing. Go do these yeah. things because I want my kids cross training until they're like yeah. in grade 12. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're putting them. Yeah. The NCAA is saying kids who cross train and have three sports in grade nine, they follow them up to grade 12. And those kids will probably be in one or two sports, probably more. And they're more likely going to get a scholarship than the kids who do one sport in grade nine. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Because of athleticism, prevention of injury, and because they're probably playing the sports because they love them. Yeah. If yeah. they're playing a sport because they don't love them, they're going to fall out. He goes, we'll know about it and they'll be gone. Yeah. And that also broke my heart because generally it's a parent's push yeah. down that, that road. Yeah. Well, so I have one more question um, that we got to uh, fit in here. How would you recommend that parents do yoga at home with their children together? Absolutely. And I, I have said this, that you can do yoga long after you're playing hockey. And I tell all these exactly. kids that so these tools you have, but there's such a, um, uh, people believe they can't do yoga because they're not flexible. I said, you don't do yoga because you're flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You do it to become flexible, but parents, if parents were at home on a mat a, you're increasing the, um, the opportunity for you and your kid to, or your child to bond at something, but you're also giving your child an opportunity to see you maybe not be really great at something. something. That's the best. And right all of a sudden you become a human being mm-hmm. in front of your kid's eyes and there is nothing more valuable than that. And then all you realize that you have this thing you can do together, that you can learn together, that yeah. you can be successful at together, but you can also fail at some of the poses together. Because oh, yeah. like, like handstands and how they wreck my bases in my house. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but even like standing on one foot. How often do we as adults stand on one foot and try and focus on our balance? Yeah. And that's what I always give the kids in my class a challenge and say, go home and teach your parents how to do this. Good. See I like the way you connect that. So I got to wind up here. Yeah. So I'm going to summarize some of the said, the things that we've actually itemized as tips that we can use to help parents with. So we talked about making ourselves open to talking to our children, mm-hmm. helping our children to learn how to fail and that it's okay to fail a lot. Mm-hmm. and take our expectations that we have for our children and throw them into the trash and only support our kids' decisions that they want to make mm-hmm. because they're truly making a good decision for themselves. Yes. They really are. Yeah. Uh, I like your thing about we don't need to drive our kids. They can walk themselves to school. Mm-hmm. And we talked about... Uh, the most important thing I think that we hit on the nail here is the value of self-awareness of our bodies and our emotions and how we need to tie into them more so we're not so panicked. 
-hmm. and we're not so anxious and worried and we need to focus on them. I think I got them all. Um, we talked a little bit about the value of less screen time, obviously. That's, a, that's up there because we can't do anything else on that list unless screen time's out of it. Uh, just the value of being engaged, just being, do things, give your kids life skills as, as someone that was an employer, uh, like teach them how to take positive and negative criticism, teach yeah. them how to listen take and be, yeah. those are huge things. Like yeah. when I had them, um, when I had them working for me, even teaching one of them, I used to find it so entertaining because they loved taking out the garbage. They loved it. They were, and I was like, I why do you want to take out the garbage? This awful. It was, they, it was fun to them all of a sudden because they had, they were gaining all these skills. They love stocking things and, and counting all the stuff, taking out the garbage, cleaning the floor. Yes. Right? And it gave them something to be part of something new to learn and something to uh, engaged in and value. It added value to what they were doing. It was huge. If you, if parents teach their kids a couple of those things, like in another big one, involve them in cooking. Oh, teach them that food just doesn't magically happen. There mm -hmm. is no magic space that it comes from. Yeah. It requires preparation and it comes from a farm. Like vegetables come from a farm usually. Usually, this is all it is a concept for people. Have a vegetable they, garden. We got a huge vegetable garden. Exactly. Give them those tools. They will thrive with those tools in life because you're not just creating kids to be academic students or hockey players or athletes, and you you're building a, a person. I think next time I know what I want to talk about too in the next video, but I want to say thank you so much, Kim, for taking the time out of your very busy day and helping parents to focus on the little things that we can start to do. Yeah. And it doesn't take much effort. No, it doesn't take much time. No. Um, I will post this uh, later, but thank you very much. And I will hopefully we'll see you in the next video. Thank you.